0: are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to speak to you tonight for a few minutes from a very brief text found in the Old Testament. By, it's a command by the authority of God and Jehovah. Not only a command, but an invitation backed by the wisdom and power of a great God. If you do not hear my sermon tonight, or if you hear it and forget it before you leave the building, I pray you'll, not, you'll let this text remain with you. Let it go home with you tonight and get up with you in the morning. Go to the shop with you tomorrow in the factory. and Stay with you tomorrow as you work. It's very easy to remember the twelfth verse, the twelfth verse of the fourth chapter of the book of Amos. We need not turn to it. It's just a little short verse. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. It's an old text, old familiar one. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Israel locked herself up in a spiritual penitentiary. And the heavens had become brass. And God in this chapter has been recounting the ways that He's been trying to call them back to repentance. Said, I called you in the days of adversity. I called you in the days of prosperity. I called you in the days when you marched home from the battlefield victorious. I called you in the days when your young men were slain with a sword and the stink of your horses came up in the camp caused it to rain upon one city and not to rain upon another city until you wandered from one city to the other to drink water. He said I did all of that. And he said, yet thou hast not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Thou hast not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Now God said there's I've exhausted every reasonable means of grace for your salvation. And there is only one thing left for me to do. And because I'm going to do that, you'd better do something. And that's to bring a judgment. And because I'm going to bring that judgment, you'd better get ready to meet your God. Just as God called Israel in the long ago, I believe God's calling the nations of this earth tonight. And I believe, I believe that I could stand here and tell you the ways that God has called people and yet winding up by saying always, and yet thou hast not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I remembered the world war, of, uh, the first world war when they marched away to battlefields and died in the blood and mud of battlefields and then came home. And then I remember when we went into the roaring 20s and prosperity and even little boys seemed to be a Midas and everything that touched turned to gold. And prosperity such as we'd never experienced and yet we didn't return to God. And then in 1929, the little soap bubble of prosperity burst and we went into a recession until 11 million people stood in the streets, unemployed. And then i like to remind people also that after 10 years of unprecedented spending and they don't remember this, after 10 years of unprecedented spending, we still had the same amount of people unemployed until we started World War number two. The same amount and they marched away to die in the blood and mud of battlefields in World War number two and while that was going on back here at home wives and mothers and sweethearts and sisters were dancing like they were dancing on the coffin of their dead loved ones and yet we did not return to God. Then that war was ended and we came back and then Korea came. They died on the frozen slopes of Korea but we didn't return and then we went into another Vietnam and for 12 years Multiplied thousands of others died. Now that is over. But we've not returned to God. They're drinking more booze. Committing more crime. And now, my friends, legalizing the most outrageous and outlandish things that can be thought of. The smoking of pot and Hash and all the rest of it. I was in Egypt the other day. Just last week we're in Egypt, Ronnie and I. You know what it is for smoking marijuana in Egypt? 25 years in prison if you're caught. Just smoke it. You know what it is for selling dope? Shot dead on the spot. That's what it is for selling dope. That's what it is. Not in this country. No, we now can have no prayer, no Bible reading, no Christian training of little children, can or prayer over their lunch in school. In a country that was founded by people who landed at Plymouth Rock that could walk through the night, they could freeze, they could starve, but they couldn't start a fire until sundown on the Sabbath because of religious convictions. Where's that gone? Now we've come with the bill to legalise abortion, which is nothing more nor less than legalized murder. Call it live of whatever you want to. The destruction of human life is murder by any measure you want to measure it by. Amen. You say, Brother Lincoln, that's shocking. I don't care how much it shocks, I'm going to say it. I'm going to keep on saying it. We're living in a day now when somebody's got to say something somewhere. God said, I placed you as a watchman up on Zion's wall. And if you see the sword coming and fail to warn my people, their blood I'm going to require at your hands, bloody hands. Their blood will not drip from these hands. Amen. I'm going to tell people the truth. The nations unborn shall be there in the judgment. Up from the ash banks and the sewer pipes and the cisterns will come nations unborn. Little feet that never prattled over the floor will find their way to the judgment. Little tongues that never cooed Mommy and daddy will find their way. Little hands that never fondled and fingered your face will find their way to the judgment. You say, Dr. Lincoln, do you think we're going to have a great revival? I see no evidence of it. I see no evidence of it. Fact of the matter is, I'm not looking for it much. Why? Because I think we're now living in the days of the apostasy. He said, he shall not come except there be a falling away first. And when he comes, shall he find faith upon the earth. There'll be a famine, he said, not of bread, of water, but a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. That's what he said will happen. That there is a famine of it today. You once went to church and listened to a preacher preach. You expected to hear a man preach that believes something. Go to a great many of the organized systems today and listen to a man and you said, is he an infidel or is he a believer? That's the reason people ought to get out of these infidel churches. They ought to get their children where they can hear the gospel of the Son of God. You say, Dr. Lincoln, I'd have to drive 20 miles maybe. A woman told me the other day, I'd have to drive 20 miles to get my family in this fundamental Baptist church. I said, don't you think it's worth driving 20 miles to get your children where they can hear the gospel? You wouldn't think about letting your children have food that was condemned by the Pure Food Act or the Pure Food Law. That if it's not fit to feed their bodies, you should not allow them to have spiritual food, my friend, which is contaminated and will destroy their souls. You're not allowed. You ought not to do that. That's the reason I believe God's blessing these great independent fundamental Baptist churches. That's the reason. You said, what's the the remedy then? There's never been but one remedy for apostasy, and that's judgment. They didn't have a a revival before the flood, or they wouldn't have had a flood. They didn't have a revival in Sodom and Gomorrah, or the the cities of the plains would not have burned up. And the only thing that will stay the hand of judgment from the world tonight, I believe, would be a revival of old-time religion. But We're hearing a group of young people today that's never seen an old-time revival. They've never seen an old-time heaven-born, God-sent, Holy Ghost revival. They've never seen one. They've never seen one. We need tonight, my friend, to realize that judgment is coming. The judgment of God is upon us. The judgment of God is upon us. He said, what are you doing today, Brother Lincoln? I'm doing mostly now. Trying to get people ready for the judgment and getting them ready for the Lord's coming. He said, prepare to meet God. Prepare to meet who? Prepare to meet the only one that knows us. Individually tonight, I want to talk about meeting God individually. The only one that knows us. He knows our future. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our dangers. He knows our enemies. He knows the perils that crouch at the doors of our souls. And knowing our sins and our weaknesses and our dangers, he says, prepare to meet God. Prepare to meet God. Now the scripture makes it very clear that men, when they're born into this world, come to the years of responsibility, they're not ready to, they're not ready to meet God. Oh, I know some people say that we're born innocent and without sin. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said I was conceived in sin. I was conceived in sin and born in iniquity, God says. That every man is estranged from his mother's womb. That's what the Bible says. They have to be born again and you're going to have to meet God. You may not want to. You can't pass him off. You can't shrug it away. You can't just shrug off God. You can't do that. You've got to be inevitable. Why? Why? He said, though I take the the wings of the morning, if I ascend into heaven, he's there. If I descend into hell, behold, he's there. If I take the wings of the morning and fly out to the ends of the earth, the first one I run into is God. You can't get away from him. You can't avoid him. You can't escape him. You can't get away from him. You can't get rid of him. Somewhere you have to meet God. You meet him, my friends, In the life that God has given you. The most responsible thing on this earth is to have life. And to have life's responsibilities. You meet him with your life at every corner of the street, at every turn of the road. In the daytime, amid the blooming flowers, at nighttime, under the twinkling stars. Everywhere you move, you meet God. You can't get away from it. You meet him everywhere, and therefore you have no right to trifle with your life or to gamble with your opportunities. God says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. The fool has said in his heart there is no God, and only a fool would say that. Let me show you something tonight, the young, in view of judgment and immortality and in view of the God who lives and moves among us, we have no right to gamble with our lives trifle with our opportunities God gave you a life what have you done with your life you got people living in the city of Aquin if they were to die tonight they wouldn't be missed 24 hours except by their immediate family I thought what a marvelous testimony it was to a man when I stood here to preach the funeral Of the founder of this church to see 6,000 people or more gathered in and about, and 38,000 people to pass by a casket to see. What a life. Listen, and yet there's some people that if they were to die, they wouldn't be missed 24 hours except for their immediate family. I remember preaching one night. I was preaching one night in Toronto, Canada. And Booth Cliburn, the grandson of old grandmother Booth, the mother of the Salvation Army, was preaching in Massey Hall. My singer said, let's go Saturday night, let's go down to hear him. And we went down. And he said, when my grandmother died in London and her body lay in state, he said, they ran special trains to honor. And he said, I saw them, he said, their lines went by. And a woman would stop and lift up a little child and let it look into the casket. And a policeman would say, move on. And she'd say, but officer, I was a woman of the street, and this woman led me to Christ. I wanted my little girl to see her. And then a man would stop with his lunch pail on his arm, and the policeman would say, move on. And then with the tears cutting a street down the dirt in his face, he'd say, but Officer, I was a drunken bum on Skid Row, and this woman led me to Christ. And he said, they filed by my grandmother's casket until it was as wet with tears, her shroud was as wet with tears, as if it had been dipped in a river. And when he said that, I turned to my, I turned to my singer and said to him, I'd rather be that woman and wear that old tear-stained shroud at the coronation of my Lord, than to be the society woman that sparkles and scintillates with diamonds, and rustles in silks and satins, and lives a wasted life, and dies, and is soon forgotten. Fifty-two years by day and by night, I've gone telling the story to see over a hundred thousand people take this hand and be pointed toward Jesus Christ. When I'm gone, if Jesus tarries when I, whether I die a thousand miles from home propped up on pillows gasping for breath, or whether some morning they find me dead in a bed in a hotel, or whether I'm dying beneath, dying in some blazing airplane crash, I'd like for them to say this, when they stand beside my coffin, my grandson, my wife, say "My, he never left us any fortune, he never left us any great amount of money, but he left us a life that was big and rich and ripe and blessed humanity wherever he went. I'd rather have that and all the world my friend tonight take this life and let it be consecrated lord to thee god gave you a life then you another you're going to meet god along with that life god gave you influence some of you tonight god gave you influence and with that influence comes responsibility that you have And the things that you set in motion by your influence tonight are tremendous. My friends, we must meet God with that. If you lead your child to hell, listen to me. If you lead your child to hell, remember this. You'll have the responsibility of it heaped on you at the judgment of God. At the judgment of God, you will have the responsibility of your neglect heaped upon you. I was in a church not long ago where they have a great bus ministry. Sitting in the pastor's study Sunday morning, and a woman, angry on the phone, said, where is that bus? And I said, lady, I wouldn't know. I've had my child ready for two for an hour to get on that bus. And if they're going to pick it up, I wish they'd pick it up. I said, I got a word for you. Why don't you get yourself out and bring it yourself? It's your responsibility. Amen. If you're going to have to if, they, if your neighbor, if the if your child's training and the influence has to depend upon your neighbor, then there's something wrong. What about the influence? The influence. Now there's a man, I had a good friend of mine, very brilliant lawyer, member of the legislature, later a judge, later a member of the Congress, prominently spoken of as a candidate for governor. The only son of a a very prominent physician married the only daughter of a millionaire. But in the midst of it became a drunkard. And his life was almost wrecked. And he told me that one night when he came back into this little town where he lived. And went down to a tent meeting and leaned up against a tent pole. Where a long-haired evangelist was having a meeting under an old ragtop tent. And two women came and said, we've prayed you back to town. And he said, I got saved. And then he said, my father never drank in excess in his life. But when he had finished his practice of a day, he sat in his easy chair of an evening, read the evening paper, drank one bottle of beer and set the empty bottle down beside the chair. I'd wake up in the early morning and jump out of bed and run in and take that bottle and drain the suds out of it. And he said, that one innocent bottle of beer... That my father drank almost wrecked my life. Made a drunkard of me and almost wrecked my life. Things turn on such small things. I wonder what life you caused to go astray. What foot have you caused to go astray? How many of you turned the downward way by your influence? (laughs) By your influence. Before oh, I'd rather turn, I shall never forget the first meeting, or second meeting I held in the city of Akron in the Calvary Baptist Church. And the first convert of that meeting was a little barber. The last night, the last Sunday I had preached five times. Preached overflow crowd. Then preached again at 7.30. And that night, My singer had gone and gotten my top coat and put it around me. And I was sat on the platform, shaking hands with the people as they came down after the service. And his little three-year-old curly-haired girl climbed over into my lap and put her little arms around my neck and said, Mr. Lincoln, my daddy don't come home drunk anymore now. Said, it would rather had that little girl to have said that than to have been president of the United States. God gave you an influence. What have you done with it? What have you done with it? you got businessmen in this city. If they'd come out and out for Christ, you could win the business life. Professional men, if they'd come out and out for Christ, you could win the professional life. you got young people, if they'd come out and out for Christ, you could win the young people to Christ. You could win the young people to Christ, if they'd come out and out for Jesus Christ. When I stand in his presence, you're going to have to meet God in another place. I know we don't like to talk about this. But sooner or later, there's going to be crepe on your doorknob. Sooner or later, you're going to have to meet God. Sooner or later, the camel is going to kneel at your tent door. And in death, you'll have to meet him. there comes come some storms down at your house some of these nights. And you're going to need him. Down yonder some night when things are growing, when your feet's growing cold, and the death rattles in your throat, and the death dew is on your brow, the things of earth begin to grow vainly dim. Then, my friend, when you're slipping out from the shores of time, you're going to need it. It won't be a hundred years from this moment until every man and woman, every little boy and girl, everyone in this room will be in the cemetery. The evening Zephyrs will be singing their sad songs above our graves. And we'll be either in heaven or hell. In heaven or hell. I want to speak tonight. A hundred years from now, there'll not be a person in this building above the ground. Above the ground. I wonder when it will come. In that death, in that hour of death. I've seen all classes of people die. Seen them die with lingering illnesses. I've seen them die suddenly. I've seen them shot down instantaneously. Come when it will. Have you ever imagined what it would be like? You say, Doctor Lincoln, I'll never die that way. No. No, you're not. You don't think you will. You know what you're living in hopes of. You're living in hopes that you'll have a long, lingering illness, and you'll have an opportunity to get saved. You'll not be cut off instantly. Doctor Bill Rice said he was ho- he was holding a meeting and staying in the home of a mortician. And this mortician said to him one day, I want to take you in the, in the display room. And he took him in the display room and he showed him this beautiful casket and he said, I want you to feel how soft it is. And I felt of it. He said, isn't that beautiful? I said, as caskets go, yes. If there can be anything beautiful about a casket. Then he said to him, he said, Bill, this was not made for a dead man. Or a dead person. Whoever uses this was alive when this was made. He said, I went away. Ten days later, I was in another city. And a delegation came to the meeting. And they said, Dr. Bill, did you hear about so-and-so? The mortician dying. Said he fell dead. And they buried him in that same casket. I wonder if he he didn't ever imagine that was his I wonder if mine has already been made I wonder if yours is already in town how would you act if you knew it were my good friend Dr. Dr. Walter Lecklatter of the old Stockton Street Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia gone to heaven now Dr. Lecklider said, I was preaching in in Washington, D.C. I went back one night and said to a man, will you come? He shrugged his shoulders and said, I'm all right. That night as his wife went out of the choir, she said, why did he want to embarrass my husband? He's all right. Ten days later, I was back in the city. My phone rang in the hotel. and The lady said, Dr. Lecklider, will you come over quickly? My husband's dying. I rushed across the city and up to the door. I rang the bell. She came to the door and said, Go in, Dr. Leclatter, quickly. I said, He's all right. She said, Oh, why do you say that? He said, You remember when I tried to lead him to Christ ten days ago, and you haughtily said, He's all right. But she said, My God, Mr. Lecklader, he wasn't dying that night. I went in and he said, Lecklider pray for me, and I said, you're all right. Oh, he said, why do you say that? He said, you remember when I tried to lead you to Christ ten days ago, you shrugged your shoulder and sarcastically said, I'm all right. But he said, my God, Mr. Lecklider, I wasn't dying that night. You don't think you are. But you're going to come face to face because you've got an appointment with it. It's appointed or fixed in which you'll meet God in death. I was preaching in Augusta, Georgia. I said to a man, are you saved? He said, no. I said, will you come tonight? He said, not tonight. I said, if you knew this were your last night on earth, you would, wouldn't you? He said, this is not my last night. I said, you want to bet? He said, what do you mean? I said, that's what you're doing. You're betting God your soul against hell that this is not your last night. Because if you knew this were your last night, you'd rush down this aisle and said, God be merciful to me a sinner. You just let an angel slip out over the embattlements of heaven tonight and come and stand right here where I am. And say between now and tomorrow night, five people out of this audience is going to be in the coffin. You think what would happen in this audience? No, but you're well tonight. And you're not concerned. Amen? Don't wait until the dream hour. Don't wait until the icy breath is blown in your face. Don't wait and then try to make it. No. No. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Then you say, I'll die, and it's all over. No, because you got to meet God again. We're at the judgment. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.